Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Tonight on Real Cuff, we'll be speaking to the author of the book called The Impossible which will also have a movie coming out next year. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Real Cup Radio. And tonight we have on a author of a book called The Impossible. And her name is Joyce Smith. And I'm excited to have her on. She's going to, uh, I'm not going to give away the whole book and, and also to let you know that there is an upcoming film through 20th Century Fox, and this executive producer is Devon Franklin, and that will follow the movie, I mean, will follow the book, but I'm going to let Joyce kind of start out and share a little bit of her testimony and talk a little bit about adoption, because I was telling her we have a very, very high rate of adoption in the area we're in, and, uh, and then go from there and share... Uh, exactly what what uh, the whole movie is going to be about and the whole book. Joyce, how are you today? I'm great, thank you. It's an honor to be on tonight to speak with you. And I've also got Julie praying in the background. So thank you very much. And Joyce, if you want to start and you know share, and uh, as we come up with questions, we'll ask you. But go right ahead. Well, it's just really been, the last two years has just been, really been an experience that I never thought that I would be doing. Uh, when, you're, when you're growing up and, and all, you, you, don't under, you don't know what God has for you and the path he has, but we, one of the things we used in the book was Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, that God has a plan for us and it's to prosper us, and when we seek his face, we, he'll be found, and he will make our path. He, he takes care of our path. And I've learned over the past, especially the past two years, the plan that God had with us, for us was so miraculous. And as you alluded to before, um, uh, we have an adopted son, John. That's who the book is about and what his accident. But also in the book, it talks about the son that I gave up when I was 18 years old. I had been raised in church, and I was—I really loved the Lord, and and I had plans for my life uh, to be in music. I loved to sing, and uh, I had a scholarship to go to a very prestigious college for music. And I met someone, and let that I shouldn't have been with. I should not have dated, but I ended up doing it and just kind of turned my world upside down, and everything that the Lord had called me to do just went sideways. But you know what? Even when that happens, it doesn't put God off. He doesn't switch to plan B. It's still plan A. He knows what he's got for you, and it doesn't upset him or rattle his cage that he can't fix it. He's already made a way. And he had for me too, and I had no idea what that would look like, and where it would end up today, it's just amazing. But I ended up getting pregnant, and I was not married, and I gave away my son for adoption. I was 18. But I ended up marrying 
uh, the, his father and had two more children. And during some of the troubled times in my teens and dating um, this, this young man, my mother would come and talk to me about it. And, you know, as any parent would, try to get you to change your mind. But I, I had told her, and this is, this is something I truly believe in, something we talked about in the book too, is Proverbs 18, 20, 21, where it talks about the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I prophesied something over my life that I didn't realize that I was speaking out that was going to absolutely turn my life upside down. But I told her I would walk across the cold, hot colds of hell to be able to be with this young man. And that's exactly what happened to me. My next 10 years were nothing but hell. And just nothing went right. My marriage fell apart. I was in the process of getting a divorce. I felt so much guilt over giving my child up. And I just felt like life wasn't worth living anymore. And so one afternoon I decided that I'd sent my children to my mom's and I decided that I was going to take a whole bottle of pills and just end it all, that everybody would be better off if I wasn't here and I didn't want to be here. But God, again, what I talked about before, God has a plan for us. And he woke my best friend up and told her to get over to my house. She didn't even bother to change out of her pajamas. She just put a coat on, didn't even comb her hair, and came to my front door. And just as I was getting ready to take the bottle of pills, the doorbell rang. And it was enough to just shake me out of my stupidity at the time. And I ended up dumping the pills down the sink and getting rid of them and went and answered the door. And she told me, she said, come on, I want you to come and stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with you all week long. She had no idea what I was doing, but God, God did. And so that week I ended up going back to church and giving my life to the Lord. And, you know, everything didn't turn around that afternoon or the afternoon after that, but it was a process. And... Six years later, I met someone, after my divorce, I met someone that was phenomenal, took, us, took my two boys in that I had uh, from my marriage, and we lost two children. And so we just never thought we were going to have children again. And we had talked about adoption, but we couldn't afford it at that time, not knowing that God had this sweet, precious baby in Guatemala set aside for us 17 years later. And so the process went on, and my husband had gone down to Latin America to, with our church to do, uh, build ch- schools down there. Uh, it was with Latin America Child Care through our church denomination. And the kids just fell in love with him, and he fell in love with them also. And he came home one afternoon, and he said to me, what would you think about adopting a child? Now, he had no idea that I'd given up a child for adoption. That was not something I'd ever shared with him. And so I told him, sure. So we started the process. And in the middle of that, my mother became very ill, had a stroke and a heart attack, had to move in with us. So we're in the process of adopting a child, and my mom's in the process of dying. But you know what? All those details God has taken care of. He, he just goes through them, and, and he knows the beginning from the end. And he just worked things out. We ended up getting John and flying down to Guatemala and getting him. And when, we, when they brought him in and laid him in our hands, I, 
I was like, oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? Because they handed this child to me, it's five and a half months old, and I'm thinking he's going to be pretty good size. He weighed all of 10 pounds. Skinny, little, malnutrition, little child. And I thought, oh dear Lord, but again, God had a plan for that. Took care of that. We got him home, got him healthy. And life with him was wonderful. And it, it just couldn't be better. And at three years old, he was taking a nap one afternoon. He wasn't quite three. And, uh, well, yeah, he was. I'm sorry. He was. So anyway, I was doing my devotionals that morning, and I was reading uh, June 30th of Oswell Chambers, uh, My Utmost for his, high, for his Highest. And it wasn't June 30th that day, but that was the devotion day I was reading. And that's important to the story. But I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to go and look for your son. And the devotion talked about set things right with people before you pay one more penny in pain. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is really strange. But I went ahead and, and I just started praying. And I thought, Lord, what are you saying to me? And he says, I want you to look for your son. And I thought, are you kidding me? After all I went through and it almost cost me my life, you want me to do this? And he said, I want you to look for your son. So... I thought, well, where am I going to look? I, I didn't even begin to know where to look. And he said, go down on the computer and look. So I went down and I typed in Ohio adoptions. I didn't know what else to do. And the very first thing that popped up said, Ohio birth mother's special. I didn't even, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's in big red letters, Ohio birth mother's special, $175. Well, I'm very skeptical about this. I don't know why the Lord's leading me through it, and I'm thinking, yeah, right. Well, I go ahead and I send in information and thinking, you know, I may or may never hear from these people. Three hours later, I get a telephone call from a young lady. Her name was Kenna Peterson, and she said, hi, I'm Kenna Peterson from Searching to Reunite, and this is going to be easy because there were only three children with that birth date that was given up for adoption and only one of them was a boy. You know, you're surprised at this, and you're thinking, how can this be? But God had already taken care of it. So she said, I'll call you Saturday. I'm going Friday to the Bureau of Vital Statistics. I'll call you on Friday and give you information, or on Saturday. So Saturday she called, and I'm just really nervous because, again, I haven't told my husband anything about this. She calls me and says, okay, fine, we found the adoptive father and mother, and if your son has filed for license, driver's license in the state of Ohio, we'll have his number on Monday, and I'll call you. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do here? So Sunday morning, I uh, had to come clean with my husband. And so I thought, well, there's only one way to do this, and that's just come out and tell him. I had no idea how he would react, but once again, God had had it, everything in order. And so I told him my whole story, and he looked at me, and he said, okay, then what's, what's our next step? I mean, just accepted it. And he had accepted my two boys like they were his own. And so, you know, God just had a perfect plan. So Monday evening, Kenna calls me and said, okay, I have your son's telephone number. Do you want to talk to him, or do you want me to? And I thought, I hadn't even thought it. it happened so quickly. And 
I said, she said, well, let me tell you this. She said, I'll call him first because I get all kinds of reactions from these adopted children depending on how, you know, their childhood was. And I'll call you back one way or the other. So I'm sitting there on pins and needles. And she calls back 15 minutes later. She said, okay, he wants to talk to you, and he's been looking for you for the past five years. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, here it is, you know, once again, God working That's out. That's just every, fantastic. Every detail. And here's the thing. The day that I talked to him was June the 30th, exactly the same day that the devotional that got me looking for him was. Just a God-ordained moment. And we had already planned to go to Ohio to see my sister and on the 4th of July. So on the 3rd of July, 34 years later, I was reunited with my son, Joe. That is just incredible. It's just, and I, I can't tell you, it's just unbelievable. I mean, here he was so happy to find out he had two, two brothers that were, you know, full brothers. And today, my oldest, uh, Joe, and then my son that's younger, he's 13 months younger than him, Tom, they work together in Ohio, and they're very close. And so, you know, the Lord has just worked out this plan just perfectly. And again, not knowing what all was going to happen then, and, and thinking that this was miraculous, not knowing that what God was going to give us, you know, another 11 years later with John. And, and the accident. So it, it's just it, it's just a tapestry of miracles. I, I, I can't put it any other way of how God has gone through my life and just restored it to perfection and better than I could possibly dream. Was the adopted parents receptive to you? Yes. Yes, they were. In fact, it, it's interesting. Last year, both of his adoptive, his adoptive parents, his father passed away and then in September a year ago uh, his birth father passed away so he lost them both in the same year but yes and they they were very receptive to them and we we spent time with them and it's it's been it's been great so do you want to go a little further and now kind of tell us the baseline of the book and and the movie yes absolutely um You know, you never know how God is going to work things out for you. And again, how we ended up with the book and the movie is just another God-ordained moment. But my son, who was with his couple friends, ended up going to spend the night with one another after a basketball game. And they were going to, Martin Luther King was the next day, so they had school off. And so they wanted to spend time together and, you know, do what 14-year-old boys do, just have a good time. And uh, one of the boys that he spent the night with lived by Lake St. Louis and um, Lake St. Louis uh, subdivision. And so the night before, much to, I, I had no idea they were doing this. The lake had frozen over, which it doesn't do a lot, and it had frozen over. So they had been down there the night before playing on the lake and sliding around and, you know, doing what boys that think they're bulletproof are do. <laughs> And so the next day, um, we were supposed to pick them up. I was supposed to pick John up. Uh, We were going to meet and transfer kids. And so I had called him that morning to find out what the plans were going to be. Uh, It was about a little, well, first I texted him. And you know how kids are when you text them. I was not getting the response from I wanted. And they want to text, and I want to know right now. So I called him having no idea at that moment that he was out on the ice again. 
And so we discussed. He played basketball. He loved basketball. It's his life. It's something he and his dad share and uh, a love for. And so I asked him if he wanted to go to the Recplex here in town and practice, and he said, sure. He wanted to know if his dad was home, and I said, no, he was at work. He said, well, yeah, pick me up, and uh, we'll go to the Recplex. And so I told him he loved, I loved him, and he said he loved me, and he hung up the phone, and within moments of that, the ice underneath him cracked, and he fell through. And the other two boys uh, came over, and were, they were trying to help him get out. Again, the ice cracked under them, and they all three were in the water. And it says, my son likes to say, he said, you go from having a really good time to the, just a second later, split second later, fly, fighting for your life, you know, and, and just in sheer horror of what's going on. And so one of the young men was able to self-rescue. Um, the other one couldn't, and John, he and John were pushing pieces of ice, chunks of ice back and forth to each other, trying to have something to hang on to. But it was the only thing it was doing was just cutting their bodies up. They both of them looked like they'd been in a fight with a bobcat. They were so cut up. Finally, hypothermia took over with John, and John sunk to the bottom of the lake. And by this time, the fire department had gotten there, and they were coming out to rescue Josh. Uh, who was still hanging, both of the boys' names are Josh, but the young man that was still in the water, Josh Rieger, and was able to pull him out. But this is the part of this, and I'm, I'm not going to share everything because I want, you know, let you read part of the book, but this is one of the things that was j- just miraculous. Saturday before Monday, this fire department had been out in this lake, in the very same lake, and they were practicing their cold water retrieval. I don't believe that was per chance. That was a divine God moment. And the other thing is the young man, uh, firefighter Tommy Shine, who was searching for John, he heard someone, something or someone say to him when he was looking for John, after he'd, he'd been in the water for almost eight minutes, uh, the firefighter, John now is pretty close to being under the water uh, 16 minutes. And he felt and heard something say to him, move two steps to your right. And so he did. And what he found himself up against was what they called the ice shelf. And he was right there. John was in about 10 feet of water on a rock bottom. But where his body was laying was right up under this ice ledge and on the edge of where it would have dropped down into a 50-foot drop off to the muddy bottom. And they were getting ready to go from a uh, rest, from rescue to recovery. And if they, they were getting ready to put the boat in the water. And if they would have done that, and Tommy hadn't found him when they would, that, there would have been enough of the wave to take him and push his body over the edge where they, would have not have found, where they could not have found him. So it's just all these things that God takes us and he just puts them in perfect order to happen. And so Tommy was able to reach down with this long pole with these two huge hooks on him and catch John's clothes and be able to pull him up. And when he pulled him up, he, he already had icicles that were forming on his ears and his hair and his nose. And he will tell you, when he pulled John up out of the water, John was dead. He was gray and lifeless. They quickly pulled him to shore worked on him there they said you know a lot of times when people drown and i've read this they 
they die from asphyxiation and their lungs don't fill up with water. John's lungs were full of water and when they started pumping and they said they could not believe the amount of water that he had taken on in his lungs. And they worked and worked and worked trying to get that out. And even days later into the hospital, they're still pumping fluid out of his lungs. It, it, it was just amazing how much water that he had swallowed. And so, you know, just for the, for, first of all, for Tommy Shine to even be able to find and locate John's body in eight minutes, to me, is just miraculous. And for God to show him where, where he was. And then to pull him up like this and be able to work with him. And I think this is another important part of this story, too. It's just how God works. They had just started a new medical procedure, and this was intubating drowning victims at the scene of the accident to help with, you know, trying to sustain life. And so John was one of the first people that they had tried this with. And so they are on shore trying to intubate him and get him going, and still nothing, no heartbeat. They can't get anything at all. They decided to rush him to the hospital to get this taken care of. Again, I did not know that any of this had happened until they had pulled John out of the water and Josh Rieger's mom, Cindy, called me, and I was expecting this telephone call, okay, but not what she was going to tell me. So when they're rushing him to the hospital, I'm in the process of rushing to the hospital to see John. Not, and I knew he didn't have a heartbeat, but the whole time that I was driving there, I, I was begging God for his life. I, I told God, I said, you have given us this child, Lord. You can't take him away from us. And one of the things that had been going on at that time, we had been studying uh, Beth Moore's uh, Bible study, Believing God. And one of the things that we get was we did in that with our homework, we had a, uh, a statement that we made every morning when we did this, and it was, I believe God is who he says he is. I believe God can do what he says he can do, and I'm believing God. And so it was just this affirmation every morning that who God was, we were learning who he was and what he did and that we believed what he said. So, again, I don't think this is by accident this is happening. Again, I think it was a divine appointment. And so I'm driving on the way to the hospital, and I am talking very loudly to God about this situation. And when I got to the hospital... They took me. They didn't let me to go back right away to see John. They took me into a side room, and a sweet little nun, who to this day no one can tell us who she was, came in and sat down with me, and put her hands, uh, just held my hands, and the most amazing peace just came over me. It was, it was like God had sent her as my angel to be with me during this time. She followed me into the emergency room. They let me go in there. And again, I had no idea why they were letting me come back to the emergency room and what their purpose for letting me back there were. But when I walked in, there was no less than 30 hospital staff that was in that room. They let me go over and sit down. I was probably about three or four feet away from the edge of John's gurney where he was sitting, was laying. And they had a huge bear hugger on him and they were trying to warm his body because they have a statement in in uh, the medical field that you're not dead until you're warm and dead and when they brought John in his body core temperature was about 88 degrees 
And during this time, whole time, they're performing CPR and nothing. They're getting nothing. I didn't realize they were brought me in to watch this so that they could ask for time of death. They would call time of death after they let me see John. But God had other plans. And so uh, Dr. Sutter came over and sat down next to me. And again, I had no idea who he was. I had never met him before. Didn't know that his daughter was in John's class at school. Again, a divine appointment. He told me, he said, you can go up and and talk to your son. And I thought, well, this is kind of a strange request, but fine. So I got up and I walked over and I got a hold of John's feet and they were cold and they were gray. And just everything that I had learned in this Bible study just started coming back to me. And I remember growing up in my life hearing the Holy Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And I thought, okay, here we are. And this is who I'm calling on. You know, God is either who he says he is or he's not. And so I started praying, and the charge nurse who was standing next to John's bed, um, she had a finger on uh, an artery trying to find for a pulse. She'd been there for 27 minutes, said, when I began to pray, she said, something miraculous happened. She said, when you walked in the room, someone walked into the room with you, she says, and the whole atmosphere in the room changed. And she said, when you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to give John back his life, she said, I felt something push up his body so strong that it was all I could do to stand there and hold my finger on, on his artery and, not, and stand up. She said, I just felt this push rush up his body. And she said, and it was seconds later, she said, then I started feeling the pulse. And you could tell she was surprised. I, it wasn't until probably a month or two later that I even realized who said this in the room when we met Alex. She's, she's just a sweetheart. And she, she, she started saying, I've got a pulse. I've got a pulse. Each time she said it, it was a shock because for 27 minutes she'd had her finger there and there was no pulse and they'd given up every hope. They'd done everything they could possibly do. And then God's restoring his pulse. She, she was, and she said, and then other people started saying, we've got a pulse, we've got a pulse. Well, to me, at that point in time, as far as I was concerned, John was healed. The doctors weren't quite on board with me yet. <laughs> you know, there, and even Dr. Sutter made the comment in, in uh, several places that he thought that they were just going to send him to someplace else to die. But that wasn't God's plan for John's life. Wow. Yeah, and like I said, I don't want you to tell everything because I want them yeah. to go out on November 7th and buy yes. the book. You know, uh, the good thing about this is is we get both. We'll get the book and then later we'll get the movie because right. I'm a movie watcher. My wife is the book reader. So, see, <laughs> it, it works out great for both of us. But uh, that's just incredible. How we ended up getting the book is even I mean, this isn't in the book, <laughs> but how we ended up getting the book and getting the movie is even just as miraculous. Um, my brother-in-law had been listening to TV, and this is after John had gotten out of the hospital, and it was around Easter time, and uh, Reverend Sammy Rodriguez has a TV program. Uh, for those who don't know who he is, you might be able to uh, recognize that he was one of the pastors that prayed at the inauguration for uh, Donald Trump in January. Anyway, he's, uh, he's, he's just 
an unbelievable young man. He's he is really on fire for God. But um, he had a program on TBN, and so my brother-in-law kept hearing him talk about John's story about these three boys that fell in the lake. And he said what drew him to the story that it came across USA Today, and it was a secular media calling this a bona fide miracle. It wasn't a church media. It was secular media. And so he tried to find out what he could about it, but, you know, all he had was the news reports. So after him mentioning the, on the second program, my brother-in-law called, he said, he's talking about John again. You need to get in touch with him. So I'm thinking, well, I don't know how to, you know, do that. But I thought, well, I'll try to find him on Facebook. So I found him on Facebook, and I sent him a short private message. I said, my name is Joyce Smith. I'm John Smith's mother, and if you would like to know his whole story, I'd be happy to share it with you. thinking I was just going to tell him to him over the telephone. I'm thinking I may or may never hear from him. So it was the next day I get a note back that says, yes, absolutely, want to hear the story. Would you like to share it on TBN? And I said, yes, I'll shout this story from the mountaintops. Well, for the next almost year, we kept moving the date of when we were going to be there. It got moved three different times. We finally settled on the date of uh, Thursday before Easter of 2016. So we fly out to California. We get to the TBN studios, and this very nice young man comes out the door and greets us and says hello to us. We think he works for the station. Uh, we go back in, he comes in and talks to us a little bit later, and still thinking he works there. And we're waiting for Sammy to come in so we can do our interview with him. And we talked to this young man for a little bit. And then I noticed that he had a book sitting on, there was a book sitting on the end of the couch with his picture on it and a young lady with him, and it was a book called The Wait. So I thought, well, he's here to promote his book, you know, still having no idea who he is. Sammy comes in. Said, said to him, wait till you hear their story. It's phenomenal. I need to go in there and get started, and then, you know, we'll come back out and get you. So we did our segment. This young man does his segment, comes back out, and we start talking. For 45 minutes, we sit and talk to this young man, having no idea who he is at the time. And when he gets finished, he goes, wow, what an incredible story. This reminds me of the movie that I just got finished producing, Miracles from Heaven, I'm Devon Franklin. I about fell out of my chair. (laughs) I had no idea who he was, but I knew what the movie was. We did not understand even at that moment what God had given us, but when we were walking out and he was walking out with Sammy to the car, he goes, I think I found my next movie projects. Well, we had exchanged telephone numbers. About three weeks later, he calls us, and he said, you know, he wants to know more about the story. He said, before you even think about doing a movie, I would really like for you to write a book. So he put us in touch with his agent. We ended up writing the book. 20th Century Fox picks up the movie rights to the books, and here we are, you know, a year and a half later. And again... God ordained. We didn't go looking for it. God just opened up the doors and set the people there that he needed. You know, it's incredible the way he just lines stuff up. Yes. Yeah. So, wow. Well, like I said, I do not want to give away too much, and and you've already told a ton, but uh, (laughs) let me make sure, Julie... um, Do you have any... Let me tell you, I haven't even scratched the surface. I, I believe book. it. I believe it. 
But uh, yeah, and I want to sit here and go keep telling more, keep telling more. But I, I, I hate to take up so much of your time. Oh, uh, I'm here for whatever. But as I say, even in the book, we have not put everything that has happened i mean and continues to happen this is the part of this is god just continues to swing doors open with people and connections and leading us my son has uh as i said before loves basketball and it was his whole life and he ended up giving that up because the lord's called him into ministry and just the doors that god is opening there with different people for him to be able to do this is it's just mind-blowing and again you know god is not finished here we we're just we're still we're still at the beginning of this so matter of fact um devon franklin one of the movies he did uh one was was the one about uh todd and his son colton which is you know, my first name's Todd, and my son's named Colton, too. So I was very interested in interviewing them. But the other movie, The uh, Miracle from Heaven. Yes, uh-huh, with Jennifer Garner, um, yes. Yeah, I was I was thinking, you know, I should interview the the mother on on the movie or whatever. Christy Bean. And Beam. so I was, yes. I was working at a hospital over in Fort Worth, and uh, the, the scrub tech that was there, said, oh, well, you know, the, the husband is my uh, vet, my horse vet. <laughs> and I said, well, give him my card. And I haven't heard anything back, but I just thought, Lord, it's just strange how little things come together like that. Yes. You know, yes. so. And I'll tell you something about Devon. For him to be, he just put out a book. It's called uh, The Hollywood Ten Commandments, which is just a phenomenal book. And it's about how you can be a Christian and be successful in a secular secular world, and especially where he is. And it, it's, it's a phenomenal book. But the one thing about him, he is a very humble young man, and he just cares about people. And he... He doesn't just talk his religion or his beliefs. He he lives them, and he he is just it has just been a blessing for God to connect us with him and for him to be in charge of this project. It, it's just you know I couldn't ask for anything better. Okay, so Julie, any questions you have? Well, I was just going to say I feel like I've had ice cream, cake, and all the things, <laughs> all these miracles and. You know, face to face and glory to glory. But really what's on my heart is um, there are going to be people that are going to listen and the adoption part of your testimony uh, with your son who was praying and looking for you for five years and how God brought it together. I feel like right now you're supposed to pray however the Lord would lead you for those people and for them to either find their parents or vice versa. But that's just what's impressed upon my heart is it's the time for you to pray. I I would be honored to do that. I would be honored to do that. Please do. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there's everything in this world is, is, is put in divine order by you. Lord, there's nothing that ever takes you by surprise or that you haven't already made a way to take care of this. And, Lord, when we come to you, you're there willing and waiting, Lord, to answer our prayers. 
So, Lord, I bring these people to you, Lord, who are looking for parents or who are looking for children, Lord, that you would open up the ways, Lord, that you would put people in their path to lead them to the answers that they need, lead them to the parents that they want to find, to the children they want to find. And, Lord, that they would know that it's you that's doing this, Lord, that you would put your anointing upon it, Lord, that you would bless them. And, Lord, that when this happens and when they come to you, Lord, that, they not, that there not be doubt and there not be fear, but to know, Lord, this confidence in you, that, Lord, you've already got this taken care of. You've already handled it. Lord, that they don't walk in fear, but they walk in faith and they walk in joy knowing that you're going to open up these doors for them. And, Lord, that it's going to be a good thing and not a bad thing. Lord, so many fears can come from this, but, Lord... We can't live by fear. We live by faith. And so, Lord, I thank you for that right now. Lord, that you are opening up these doors and these opportunities for these people right now. And we just give you thanks and glory, Lord, for what you're already doing, that you're already in our tomorrow, making a way, Lord, where there seems to be no way, because truly, Lord, you are the way maker. And we thank you for that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We agree. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has just really been an honor and and such a pleasure. I thank you for allowing me to do this. Well, Joyce, I just want to thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Cup tonight. And all I can say is that's a wrap. <laughs>